Why, everybody, and thank you for joining us for, oh my gosh, week 15 of Survival Beyond the Bug Out Bag. I'm Bill Bateman, part of the team here at Refuse to Be a Victim Personal Protection Training. We are located in Southern Oregon in the Medford White City area. And as always, I invite you to share your comments, questions, and ideas with me. The email address is in the little box there where you log in, and it's podcast at wits-and.com, like our website. Well, let's get to the class updates and some information first. We do have some spaces in our CPR AED class that's happening on February 16th. That's 5 to 8 o'clock here in the Medford area. Now, this is open to anybody who's interested, and now might be a good time to tell, oh, for example, a neighbor or a family member, or, you know, if you got kids that are old enough, it could be a real lifesaver down the road if one of those can jumpstart mom or dad, if you get my drift. Now, the cost, a mere $50 per person, and all of the details are in the class listings page. You can click on a link that we built in to register. Now, this is first come, first serve, and it is non-refundable, please. You're going to end up certified for two years in adult CPR, AED, basic first aid, and there will be a section on basic trauma, uh, bleeding control due to punctures, injuries, or gunshots. And as an RSO, I found that information very, very useful. Other classes, our new CHL class is set for February the 9th. If you're interested, let's get in on that. Again, the links are on the class page. Those classes are held at the MRPC, the Medford Rifle Pistol Club. That's on Vias Road. And you also have an opportunity to get your Arizona permit. And as I've mentioned before, when used in connection with your Oregon CHL, that gives you 35 state coverage due to the reciprocity. And finally, boy, this is the best series I've ever taken, the Defensive Scenario Series. They've been scheduled throughout the year. The first one's going to be on Saturday, February 23rd. They tend to go quickly. Like I said, it's the best thing I have been through. I really found it of use. So, I promised we'd look into more detail at urban-related scenarios for bugging out or getting home. The sad truth is that not everyone is fortunate enough to live here in southern Oregon. Rural? Well, that means concrete and asphalts instead of pine trees and trails. Dealing with water spigots with no handles instead of trying to drink out of a stream. Broken glass and debris when it gets serious instead of underbrush and raspberry bushes, and the possibility of encountering a very serious group of Mad Max-like reenactors instead of rattlesnakes or bears. Personally, I prefer the snakes. Each of the sites I've visited has similar recommendations. We did go into this lightly on weeks three or four, if memory serves. And, of course, I've been researching in more depth and come across some information information that's kind of interesting. It ties into first aid supplies and that really important psychological aspect. Some of the quick tips, well, if you have some duct tape with you, and you should, the good stuff, not that junk you get at the gas station for a dollar a roll, get the good stuff, it's worth it. If you're using magnesium shavings and it happens to be windy, put those shavings on a piece of duct tape. 
and then the tape will actually start to burn and you can easily transfer that to your kindling or your shaving pile to get a fire started. You can also use duct tape over a wound to compress and control bleeding for leaks, drips, and even windy flaps on tarps. Very valuable stuff whether you're rural or whether you're dealing with uh, an urban setting. In the urban area, pry bars for entry. Now this opens up a whole new chapter on ethics and I think that really relies on time. If you're out there in the first 24 hours breaking into stuff, uh, that's probably stealing. On the other hand, uh, if there's a store that has food in it, it's been a week and your family is hungry, how indeed do we process that? This is a discussion you need to have with yourself, with your family. I would check in your community, see what areas you could go to. If you are in a rural setting, how are the shelters? How are the capacities? How are the supplies? Very important information to get. Lights, especially in a urban setting or a rural setting, are going to be very important. Flashlights have been looking at, they require AC power, and that means you're going to have to get an inverter, and some of those inverters can have quite a bit of impact negatively on your equipment. One thing that we mentioned before and I am really tickled to see is so easily accessible now are masks for particles like when we had the very bad smoke here last year or things like tear gas or the possibility of even other types of leaks where you're going to need to protect yourself. Know what's in your area. Does there happen to be a large chlorine plant or some type of toxic gas or material that could leak in an earthquake situation? Another thing that's going to be important is a good set of gloves. A lot of things are going to be sharp, and I'm not talking about some isotoners. I'm talking about mechanics gloves or some of those Kevlar gloves that you would use if there is a lot of broken glass, shards of wood, hunks of metal, Widowmakers of a totally different kind. If we have an earthquake or there's major structural damage from explosions that could occur, there are some real good reasons you don't want to go back inside in an earthquake. We also have greater hazards in an urban setting of downed power lines and electrical shocks. Now, a person who's suffered an electrical injury, you can be in jeopardy as well. You need to make sure you're using something that does not conduct like wood or plastic to move any power lines aside. This is real serious stuff, folks. I don't want to give this a quick pass over at all. Electrical shock can be very serious and you trying to go in and help can put yourself in jeopardy if you don't do it correctly. Add to that gas lines that can rupture and water lines that can be impacted. We wrap all this up and you have the fact that in an urban setting emergency services 911 are going to be overwhelmed. You are the first responder until help arrives completing and then implementing what I learned in our CPR training. I took the class that we're offering. You bet I did. That's one of the first of many steps I've completed, and I'm really glad I did. Now, what do I mean by implementing? Well, I familiarized myself with the AED where I work. I found out where the darn thing is and how to basically open it, how to access it, and what to expect when I turn it on. 
I've also found the locations in other buildings. When I'm around campus, when I'm downtown, is there an AED in here? I got a set of pocket masks for the car, the house, and the office. They do come in a three-pack, you know, and that means I can give mouth-to-mouth without having to deal with either the worry of some disease or personal fluids being transferred, and if a person happens to get sick, and I have it on good authority that very often vomiting will occur, that's going to go into the barrier mask, not into your face. I got a box of barrier gloves. I I would call them rubber gloves or latex gloves, and I'm doing all of these things in a slow and steady matter. I'm not running out buying everything I can think of in a panic. I'm researching I've had some first-hand experience. I mentioned the Northridge earthquake going back. I'm looking at Chicago with 40 degrees below zero, snow blowing sideways, and a wind chill of up to 50 below in some places. I'm a native Midwesterner, but I'd forgotten talking in that kind of weather, in that kind of extreme cold, can be really hazardous to your health. And that got me to thinking. It occurs to me that the For the past 15 weeks, I've been doing this. There's been something going on of significant note. Either locally, we had the major fires and smoke and air quality issues, or floods, hurricanes, those fires in Northern California, and now we have an Arctic blizzard impacting a very large area. Now, please understand, I'm not going for gloom and doom. It's just a really good reason to take this kind of stuff seriously. I firmly believe it's not if, it's when you're going to need it. Now, I'm not going to speak for anyone else. I would never presume to speak for you folks. But I know personally, by doing careful and well-researched planning, I am feeling much better in the light of everything that's going on about my ability to be self-sufficient in an emergency situation. Now, another part of this whole emergency thing, and especially strong in an urban area, is the psychological impact of a major event. Adding those affirmations Phil and I were talking about last week, getting in better shape as far as flexibility, and a gradual buildup on various supplies in preparation is a powerful thing to do. And I need to note, I'm not buying stuff that I'm never ever going to use unless we have an earthquake. This stuff is valuable and can be used on a regular basis. Now, the psychological area will have both short and long-term effect. It's going to impact everybody involved, but it's going to be especially critical for children and frail elderly. Avoiding the issue is not only the worst thing you can do, it seems to be the norm. Now, this is going to lead to some very powerful guilt when something does happen, and in many people, it can lead to a state of hyper-awareness, or what you might even call post-traumatic stress. This is a common situation, especially when a disaster or an incident lasts for a long period of time, but it can also impact you in a short interaction, an incident like an accident or an assault. Add to this panic initially can lead to freezing in place, and then you get the adrenaline burn. I think I mentioned I fell off my stupid bicycle last week. The adrenaline jolt I got in that incident took a full day for me to shake. 
And that's kind of a, a shock to me. As I get older, I used to kind of just get back up, shake things off. Okay, uh, minor injuries, a visit to urgent care, that kind of stuff. That ringing in the ears, that shaking like you've had too much coffee. Those things are very real symptoms. Okay, how are we going to deal with this? First of all, I think right now, when you're done listening... Go get yourself a soda, maybe make a sandwich, and let's start thinking about talking to the family. I've talked about this before, and I'm going to talk about it till it starts working. Don't go in with a boo-scary type scenario. That's going to scare folks into shutting down. I recommend proposing what-if questions. What should we do if? Where would we go when? This is important, especially in an urban setting because the impact of seeing your downtown in a mess or your two-story house collapsed to one floor is going to rattle anybody. And that's why we start now. I'm also going to say that in an urban setting there is much more likely to be a breakdown of law and order, especially in an event that's going to last more than a few days. Now what's interesting to me, I have had many conversations or tried to have many conversations with people who simply say, nope, that's not going to happen. Nope, nope, that won't happen here. Bill, you're being, oh, you're just, no, 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 no. That's not working. And they say it over and over, louder and louder, and they're not trying to drown me out. They're trying to drown out that voice in the back of their head that, this, this guy could be right. So I think the ability to deal with your family is critical. You can't save everybody. And with that said, who will you be able to help? Well, that's going to depend on where you are and the situation. Now, I think realistically, the first thing you have to do is be able to save yourself. And that's what we've been talking about all these weeks. And if you're separated from your family, as most of us are, because we have to go to work, we have to go to school, we have to go to soccer practice, you have to have the confidence you have given them the skills and you have practiced them together and you need that confidence that they're going to be okay until you are able to rejoin them, if that's at all possible. Now, in an urban setting, there are going to be a lot more people, just total number of persons, than in a rural setting, and that means a lot more strangers. Now, in my area, I know who my neighbors are. I know who belongs in a particular section. I'm used to seeing specific people. In the city, that's obviously not the case. Now, there's going to be a lot more stress over things and preparing on how to deal with those issues in advance is critical. Now, for some strategies and some really good advice on this topic, I recommend an article in the Prepper Journal called How to Cope with Psychological Shock While Still in Danger. I've added that link to our main podcast page, and I think it's a very good read. It has some very realistic things you can do to keep control of the situation in your head as well as the surrounding area. Okay, we're coming to the end of our time. I try and end each week with a call to action. So if you're one of our many listeners who's an urban dweller, I ask you, what steps are you taking? First for yourself and for your family. I do think that building a circle of trust, people who are your friends is something you should really work on doing. We are going to need each other. This idea that you're going to run off in the woods and live like Grizzly Adams or Jeremiah Johnson is just not 
going to happen. I also asked a hard question last week, and in an emergency, can you walk away if people won't try and help themselves? Now, it's one thing if it's family, it's another if it's co-workers or acquaintances who are in total denial and have refused to listen and take steps to help themselves right up till the very last moment. Again, building a circle of trust among friends, I think, is very, very important. I got time for an old joke on this very subject. There's an old man living out in the middle of nowhere. Sheriff came up and said, Oh, there's a flood coming. You better get out of here. I'll get get in the car, take your stuff. I'll take you out right now. The guy said, No, no. I will be taken care of. Well, the flood waters started to rise. They got bigger and bigger. Guy comes by in a boat, Red Cross worker in a boat, and says, Hey, you better get out of here. These flood waters are not going to slow down anytime soon. Get in the boat. Let me help you. And he says, No, no, I'll be taken care of. The Lord will provide. Well, now he's on the roof of his barn. Water's creeping up around his ankles, and here comes a helicopter, an emergency helicopter, and they lower a rope down and said, Hey, you better get in this helicopter. That water is going to continue to rise. And the guy looks up and says, no, no, the Lord will protect me. A few minutes later, he's dead and approaching the pearly gates, and he's a little upset. He said, St. Peter, why didn't you help me? St. Peter looks over the top of his glasses and said, I sent you a sheriff, a boat, and a helicopter. How much more help did you want? What are you prepared to do? I hear we never know what we are capable of until you get tested. Well, in a serious emergency, you don't want that to be your first attempt at something. And you don't want to pass up a sheriff, a boat, or a helicopter. Let's work on being self-sufficient. Doesn't matter where we live. Doesn't matter what our income is. Do it intelligently. Do it slowly. Do it seriously and work with some people that you can trust. Okay, I'm Bill Bateman. That's it for this week. This program is copyright. Refuse to be a victim. Personal protection training 2019. It may not be rebroadcast, edited, or sold without the express written permission of this company. Now, on the other hand, it may be downloaded or shared by you, guests to this website, for non-commercial and entertainment purposes only. And you are encouraged to share this with friends on Facebook and Twitter. Or, hey, just send them the link. And this could be a real good way to start that discussion I'm talking about. We have more fun ahead in the weeks to come. I look forward to your emails and comments and suggestions. And if I don't see you next week here on the podcast, I'll see you out at the range. Thank you.